Thank you for joining IRW Coffee Break. This is a podcast series hosted by KPMG IRW specialists within the Washington National Tax Practice to discuss current topics in the field of information reporting and withholding. Every episode will discuss a discrete area of interest in a brief segment. So we invite you to grab a cup of coffee or just get comfortable while we explore all things IRW. Hi, I'm your host, Danielle Nishida, and I'm here today with Carson Lee. This week, we're discussing GLAM 2023-001, which was released by the IRS earlier this year. This GLAM discusses incentive payments under American Depository Receipt Programs, and it really builds upon a series of ADR GLAMs that the service has been issuing since 2010. So for a matter of background, for those who aren't familiar with ADRs, the purpose of ADRs is to allow an investor in the United States to purchase interests in foreign companies when those shares in foreign companies don't usually trade on a U.S. exchange. So usually if you wanted to invest in the shares of a foreign company, you can't just go to NASDAQ and purchase that interest because they don't trade in the United States. So instead, a certain number of financial institutions referred to as depositories will issue ADRs, which represent an interest in those companies. So those depositories will hold shares of that foreign company and then issue their own shares, referred to as ADRs, which are a representative interest in that company. And so these are U.S. instruments that will trade on the U.S. exchanges. When you purchase an interest in an ADR, you're getting the value of purchasing an interest in that foreign company. There aren't very many depository institutions in the United States, and the field is very competitive. So depositories will typically earn money from the holders of the ADRs. So for example, if there's a corporate action, the depositories will collect fees for handling payments with respect to that corporate action. Therefore, it's in the depository's interest to have as many foreign issuers depositing their shares of corporate stock with that depository as possible because it gives that depository the right to issue more ADRs into the U.S. market and earn more fees from issuing those shares. There's two types of ADR programs. There's either a sponsored or a non-sponsored program. In a non-sponsored program, the foreign issuer can deposit shares with multiple depositories, and those depositories will issue ADRs into the U.S. market. In a sponsored program, the depository will pay certain incentive payments to the foreign issuer in exchange for exclusivity. And so these were typically packaged as what they referred to as reimbursements, where they agree to reimburse certain expenses of the foreign issuer, such as their listing fees, their attorney's fees, their accounting firm fees, all the fees and all the payments that go into issuing those ADRs into the U.S. market. Now, I should caution that just because they're referred to as reimbursements, that doesn't mean that they're treated as reimbursements for U.S. tax purposes. And we'll get into that when we talk about the first GLAM. But the source of these fees, the treatment of these fees for treaty purposes, that has been the discussion of this series of GLAMs that have been issued by the IRS. So GLAM 2010-006 was the first time that the government directly addressed the treatment of ADR incentive payments for IRW purposes. The GLAM starts off by addressing the threshold issue of whether the incentive payments constitute income to their issuer in the first place, concluding that, yes, these payments are income to the issuer, even if the issuer isn't receiving the payments directly, because the expenses being covered are the issuer's expenses, and the only reason the depository institution is paying these amounts is to get the exclusive ADR distribution rights. And that makes sense because a reimbursement for U.S. tax purposes is not treated as income, and it refers to a payment someone makes for reimbursing the other party 
for expenses that the other party paid that would not have been that party's expenses in the first place. So for example, if one company makes a payment for insurance premiums for another company, well, that's not the payor's insurance premiums. That's not their own expense. They're paying someone else's premiums. And so when that other party reimburses them for the payments, that's just making the payer whole. That's entirely different from a company paying another for the payment of that other company's own expenses. That's just income, and it's just changing the form of the payment of that income. In GLAM 2010-006, the government was pointing out that some of those expenses, things like attorney's fees of the issuer, the listing fees, the accounting firm fees, those are all fees that belong to the issuer themselves. And so when another party covers the cost of those payments, that's not a reimbursement. That's just another form of paying income. Once the GLAM established that the incentive payments constituted income, it then turned to the treatment of the payments and whether these payments constitute U.S. source FEDAP payments to foreign corporations. The GLAM concluded that the incentive payments constituted payments for the use of intangible property rights and therefore were treated as royalties for U.S. tax purposes. Well, initially, these payments might not appear to be royalty payments because they're not typically what we see in royalty payments where one party is paying another for the use of the intangible property. They are similar in the sense that they're distribution rights. In a sponsored program, the depository is paying the issuer for the exclusive right to issue those shares into the U.S. market or to put another way to become a distributor of those shares in the U.S. market. And they obtain the exclusive right to earn income off the shares of those ADRs. So it's almost as similar to a franchising fee or a fee for distribution rights, all of which have been deemed to be similar to royalties. And for that reason, these payments were most closely viewed as similar to a royalty payment rather than something like a service fee. As royalty payments, the incentive payments were sourced to the location where the property rights were used. Since the ADRs are being issued into the United States, they were deemed to be U.S. source payments and therefore subject to withholding and reporting under Chapter 3. Now, one thing I should note is even though these payments are deemed to be royalties for U.S. tax purposes, that does not mean that they're necessarily royalties for treaty purposes because treaties have a far more limited definition of what constitutes a royalty. And for that reason, the government followed up on the 2010 GLAM a few years later with GLAM 2013-003 which reiterated the character and sourcing conclusions from the 2010 GLAM, but also addressed the treatment of incentive payments for treaty purposes. So the 2013 GLAM clarified that although the incentive payments are considered royalties for U.S. tax purposes, they don't actually qualify as royalties under most U.S. tax treaties because they don't meet the definition under either the U.S. or OECD model treaties, both of which generally define royalties as payments for the use of or the right to use certain types of intellectual property, uh, none of which apply in the incentive payment context. The incentive payments also don't qualify under business profits articles uh, because neither issuing stock or establishing an ADR program is itself a business. So whatever business the issuers are in, the incentive payments received for the sponsored ADR programs aren't attributable to that business. And after eliminating those two possibilities, the government defaulted to other income as the most appropriate treaty article for the incentive payments, subject to the specific terms of any particular treaty at issue. So one practical reporting note to keep in mind is that for Form 1042S reporting purposes, the incentive payment should still be reported under the income code for royalties as opposed to other income, given that that's how they're categorized for U.S. tax purposes. 
Forms 1042S require filers to identify the limitation on benefits provisions that recipients claiming treaty benefits are relying on, but they don't require identifying the substantive benefit article. So the discrepancy in how the payments are classified for treaty purposes and how they're classified for U.S. reporting purposes uh, shouldn't be an issue. So fast forwarding to 2023, the government again addressed the treatment of incentive payments in GLAM 2023-001, this time focusing specifically on the character and source of the payments when the payments are made pursuant to a profit-sharing agreement between the depository and the issuer, or when the ADR purchasers are foreign persons. While the 2023 GLAM spends several pages laying out its reasoning, the core of the analysis is really mostly just a rehash of the points made in the prior GLAMs. So with respect to character, the 2023 GLAM again analogizes the sponsored ADR program to a franchise arrangement with geographically defined rights and cites to Section 861 in pointing out that franchises and other like property are types of property rights that give rise to royalties. For sourcing, the GLAM again cites to Section 861 for the general rule that royalties are sourced to the location of use, uh, but then it builds on the analysis relied on in the prior GLAMs to explain why the exclusive distribution rights secured by the incentive payments are considered used in the United States. While the core of the analysis was mostly the same as the prior GLAMs, the 2023 GLAM is helpful in that it specifically extended the reasoning of the prior GLAMs to slightly new facts, concluding that one, the incentive payments still constitute royalty income where the payments are made under a revenue sharing arrangement with the issuer, as opposed to the depository institution just paying the issuer's expenses. And two, the distribution rights are still considered used in and therefore sourced to the United States regardless of where the ADR purchases are located, because the exclusive distribution rights are still limited to the U.S. markets. And these conclusions aren't really shocking. The basis of the analysis is still the same as the prior GLAMs. All that we're seeing different in this new GLAM is as you stated, instead of the depositories paying the issuers expenses, they're now entering into profit sharing arrangements where they're both going to earn income off of the issuance of the GLAMs into the U.S. That is just changing the form of how the payment is made. It isn't changing what the issuer is providing, which is the exclusivity and the right to issue those shares into the U.S. market. And so the sourcing really doesn't follow the form of the payment. It follows what are you getting in exchange for this payment? What is that consideration? And that is still the exclusivity and the sort of franchise rights that you're getting in the U.S. So that makes sense that this change in the form of payment would not change the character or sourcing. The second point that you made, Carson, was noteworthy, and I I think it is the right answer and it's predictable, but it is noteworthy that now that we've agreed these payments are royalties, where do you source the use of those shares? Is it sourced to the United States because you're issuing them in the United States, or do you source it to the residence of the person you're issuing them to? Meaning if I issue these shares to a foreign person, would that make it foreign source? Because arguably the shares are going to someone who is not a U.S. person. Again, they're clarifying here that because you're issuing those shares into the U.S. market, the United States is a geographical region where the royalty rights have been granted. And so even if you're issuing them ultimately to non-U.S. people, that is still U.S. source income. So I don't think we're seeing very much different in this GLAM from the prior GLAMs in terms of analysis. They're just applying that analysis to a different set of facts and providing additional clarifications. And with that, I think that concludes IRW Coffee Break for today. We look forward to talking with you next time. Thank you.